0: I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word, um, your written word, and your Rama word, both. Without either, we're, we're, we're stranded. We're, we just flounder around. So thank you. You've invited me to this, so I say yes, Lord. Uh, let me be your mouthpiece today. That your heart gets delivered in Jesus name. Amen. I think it's amazing that uh, the title of my uh, message today is remembering what God's done. And I think it's really awesome that we did communion today (laughs) because as Jim was sharing, that's what it's all about. He gives us communion so that we can remember what he's done for us, right? Um, The fact that it's already all taken care of, right? Um, The fact that he bore the stripes. He went to the cross and died on our behalf. He was raised again and seated at the right hand of the Father. And that same power that God used to raise him from the dead is the power that's working things out in us today. I mean, that's seriously, that's something we should be celebrating. Um, Tina and I were used to be part of youth ministry in a church that we were part of years ago. And we went to uh, an annual conference in a, a town back in Pennsylvania. And the uh, bishop of the Uh, Methodist Church was there and he had sent all the leaders away except for the leaders of the youth ministry. And the reason he wanted to do that is he just wanted the kids there. And we had kids that were as young as 10 and as old as 19. So he wanted them all there. And we were going to do communion that morning. And he decided that morning because just like we did, we dismissed the worship band and they went and sat at our seats and then we did communion. And I remember the bishop that morning saying, you know, no, I need the worship band to stay up there. And I need you to dig deep and I need you to find a celebratory song because we're going to do communion and we're going to do it to a celebratory song. He says so much in the denominational name of the church we do and it's like a funeral dirge. And he says, it shouldn't be. Why do we cry when we remember that Jesus went to the cross for us? That should bring us joy. And so he had him play a celebratory song. And he said, here's what we're going to do, because we were doing it by intinction. So there was like six people lined up with bread and, and, and juice. And he said, I'm going to pray. And then I want you to all stand at one time and come forward and receive. If you want to dance because the music's got you stirred that way, then go ahead and dance. If you want to scream and shout and hoot and holler, whatever it is you want to do, uh, feel free to do it. Because today, this morning, it's going to be a celebration. It was the coolest communion that we've ever been a part of. I mean, the coolest thing. And I've never been able to look at the cross with tears in my eyes ever since because yeah, it was horrific. But what he did was like just mind boggling. So unselfish and so loving and so caring. I just can't look at it and cry unless they're tears of joy. If that's not your journey, that's okay, because we're all on a journey. But it'd be really cool when you get to the place where you look at the cross and you celebrate and it's just joy that comes out of you because it should be because it's taken care of. It's all taken care of. So again, today, remembering what's got what God's done. That's the message today. So last week, last Saturday, uh, Tina and I decided to go on a date. I invited her to go to Frankfurt to do a, I lost the butterfly kind, the Monarch Butterfly Release. So every year, once a year, they do a Monarch Butterfly Release at this really cool place out in Frankfurt, a a greenhouse. And they've got these butterflies tagged. And you get to release one. They put them on ice so that they're a little lethargic when you get it and you open it up and thing crawls out on your hand and until it thaws out, Um, it's just walking around on your hand. It's really cool. And then it flies and they're flying to Mexico, the border. Anybody heard about the border lately? Well, (laughs) so there's going to be influx of uh, monarch butterflies. And then we with that paper we were given, we were given the number and a website to go to so we can actually track the status of our butterflies. It's going to um, to Mexico, which is Exactly, how cool is that? But it's also amazing, because God designed the monarch butterfly to fly from here. And these monarch butterflies now, because they're fifth generation, live eight to nine months. Most butterflies live 30 to 60 days, and then it's over. But they live eight to nine months. So they literally will fly all the way to Mexico, spend the season, hatch some at some point, um, hatch, lay some eggs become larvae, et cetera, et cetera. And the new butterflies will fly back this direction. Yeah, it's really, really cool and absolutely amazing. It's just a reminder of what God does. Yet a reminder of what God does and how amazing he is. It was so fun. So before we did that, we they have a little cafe out there, which is really good, really great food, great atmosphere. And we sat to eat brunch. And as we were eating brunch, we were rehearsing. What God's done in our lives. Now, we could only do it for a little bit because we had an hour to have lunch, so we had to cut it short because he's done so much in our lives that we could have probably spent the day there rehearsing what he's done in our lives. And we do that frequently. Why? Well, because it encourages us. It encourages us in him. And it's so powerful to do that because when you get encouraged in him and you stay encouraged in him, when the hard times come, and they're gonna, they're gonna come. He tells us we're going to have troubles and trials and tribulations in this world. He tells us. And then he says, but take courage, for I have overcome the world. Well, what's the best way to remember that he's overcome the world? Remember. Remember what he's done. The communion for everybody. I mean, his sacrifice for everybody, the atonement for everybody. But what's he done in your life? What's he done in the lives of people around you that you can rehearse? Because it doesn't have to be just what he's done in your life. It can be what he's done in the pe- lives of people around you. How has he allowed you to impact other people's lives? And when I say allowed, I mean he invited you into it. Because that's how he set it up. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. Well, that tells me that he, to fulfill his plan on this planet, he needs us to do it. And for anybody that just messed your head up when I said he needs us, well, yes, he's God. Yes, he's all-powerful. Yes, he's almighty. Yes, he breathed the world into existence. Yes, all of it true. Breathe the breath of life into us and we came to life. All true. I don't know why he wrote this thing that it requires us to be active. And when I get to heaven, I'm pretty sure I won't care to ask. But if you choose to remember that, and you want to ask him when you get there, awesome. Or ask now. Maybe he'll tell you. I mean, he does talk to us, right? But it requires us to do our part. And to do our part and to stay the course and not get discouraged in our faith, we've got to rehearse what he's done in our lives. We have to. And we just have to. So A little while, uh, two weeks ago, there was a a, a service Pastor Todd Smith from um, North Georgia was in. And he was sharing testimonies of people that had been baptized. It was really amazing. It got us encouraged. He taught on baptism. It was really phenomenal. Learned so much. And then he invited us to get baptized. And I had no intention of getting baptized that night. But... Dear friend of mine suggested that I take a change of clothes because she said, I know you, Jeffrey, when you get there and you're here, you're going to want to get baptized. So I listened, took a backpack with a change of clothes, and, and I went and I sat and walk in and they asked, you getting baptized? I said, nah. They said, well, well, then you don't need to fill this paper. So I went and sat down. Um, and then about three uh, testimonies in of some, bat- some crazy things that happened during baptisms, he he, Holy Spirit, impressed upon me to get baptized. So I went and got the paper and filled it out. Went upstairs, got changed, came down, and as I'm waiting my turn to get baptized, they had these big troughs set up for you to get baptized in. I, Pastor Todd had said, hey, I know you're all going to start thinking about what you're going to say because we're going to ask you why are you getting baptized so i know you're already starting to think about it but i'm just telling you give it up because by the time you get in there what you say isn't what you think you're going to say so i figured okay we're just going to cut to the chase lord why do you why do you, why is it important for you that i get baptized today and what he impressed upon my heart wasn't the i wasn't the nerve challenge i'm having in my foot it wasn't that i want that healed And I said that, Lord, I'd love to have that healed, but you know what I want healed more than anything else? The old man that I'm still carrying in my mind and my heart. Because if I could be free of that, and I can because I know who you are, that would just, life would change. What did I just describe? It's those things that are still stuck in my mind and my heart from my life experience that I haven't been able to offload yet, that feel like this heavy chain and ball that I carry behind me and has frankly caused me to be emotionally exhausted a lot of the time. And it's not because there's a challenge with Tina and I know we're great. It's just because I haven't been able to get rid of this stuff yet. And so that was my prayer. So when I got in the water, they said, why do you want to get baptized? Because when I go down, I want that old man dead. I don't want it to come up with me. I'm tired of it. I'm exhausted. And I started to cry. And as my head broke the plane of the water, God encountered me. Like I felt it. Like there was no mistaking that it was him. And they brought me back up. My hands are like this and I'm, and I'm crying. And all of a sudden I hear Holy Spirit say, tell him again. So I did. So they dunked me again. And as my head broke the plane of the water again, he encountered me yet again. And I came up and I'm crying and I'm just like, just my mind, I could feel it like this electrical thing in my head. I, I've really never felt that before, this this electrical thing in my head. And our brains are electrical, so why wouldn't he do that? And as I'm sitting there like this, I hear the Holy Spirit say, one more time. So I told him one more time, and he, as soon as my head went through the water again, broke the plane to the water again, he encountered me again. Only this time, what I felt was, how many here can remember back to what your favorite blanket was when you were a baby. I can because we actually still have it. Yeah. And that blanket was amazing. I mean, it felt so good. It was like warm and comfortable and cozy and comforting all of that stuff at, at one time. Right. Well, as they brought me up, what all of a sudden and I saw it come down, I saw his piece just whoosh, and wrap around me like that blanket I just described. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I haven't felt this in a long time. And I'm like, Lord, how do I keep this? He said, Don't reach back for what I just took from you. So it's been 10 days. I lost track of time when I was in the water. So it's been 10 days since then. And I've been walking in that piece. It's it's just absolutely amazing. I go from there downstairs, and there's a setting, there's a place set up to receive communion. And the person that was there said, hey, I have a word for you, Pastor Jeff. And I said, oh yeah, awesome. What is it? said, my son, you're being way too hard on yourself and critical of yourself. Because what I'm thinking, I'm seeing this big ginormous mountain that's going to take a lot of work to get rid of it. And he said, the little things, I see ginormous mountain, God sees little things. He says, the little things that you're concerned about, I'm not concerned about at all. And I'm like, well, hallelujah. And so, I go outside, and the church it was at, they have some speakers outside so you can hear the music, and I'm waiting for Tina to come pick me up, and uh, as I'm there, they start to play More Love, More Power. I haven't heard that song in probably 10 years. Why that's so big a deal? The day that I gave my life to Jesus, that He encountered me, and I came into the kingdom, I June 11, 2000, I was on my way to go kill myself, and He stopped me, And he said, quit feeling sorry for yourself. Get back into church where you belong and make things right. I heard his voice, never heard his voice before, heard his voice, plain as day. Go back into church. The very first song that they're playing, more love, more power. And I'm like, yeah, Lord. So I just stopped and I'm like, yeah, Lord. And I remembered that moment that he encountered me, that I recall that he first encountered me. And all of a sudden things changed. And I haven't stepped out of that piece. It's ten days now, eleven days. Well, why? Because God knew I needed a reminder. And I just I keep rehearsing the testimony of what took place in that baptism. There was another time I was uh, Tim and I used to serve in prison ministry called Cairo's Prison Ministry. It's all over the world. Such a phenomenal ministry. You spend four days inside the prison with the men or women, depending on which team you're serving on, and it's just lives get changed. It's ridiculously radical how powerful it is. Well, I'm supposed to be leading this weekend in a, uh, it was a medium security prison. I walk out my front door, the same front door I had walked out thousands of times and I twist my ankle and it was bad. And I'm thinking, okay, so I hobble along to all of the team meetings every Sunday, and we're doing the team meetings and we're getting ready. And the week before I'm supposed to go in, no, two days before I'm supposed to go in to lead the team, I wake up that morning and I'm like, "Oh crap!" And the back of my knee hurt so bad; it was so tight, it was tight like that drum on that drum, whatever you call it, drum cover. It was that tight, and I'm like, "Oh snap!" And I'm, uh, so I go on to where I, the prayer meeting that I was a part of that morning and I'm driving back and I call Tina. I said, I think I have a blood clot. And she said, what do you mean? So I describe what was going on. I says, I'm going to go to the emergency room and can you meet me at the hospital? So I drive up to the emergency room. They take me up and they're running the Doppler on me and the technician all of a sudden gets a scared look in her eyes and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I got my answer. Um, and she goes out, comes back in and says, yep, you got a blood clot in your. Behind your knee the good news is it couldn't be at a better place because it's a long way from there to your heart um so i spent the weekend in the hospital and tina spent the weekend in the hospital i'll call my team second in charge and have them lead the weekend what's really cool about that is yes romans 80 works all things out to the good for those that are called and uh, believe and are called according to his purpose yes true But what was so powerful about it and why this testimony is so important, two of our closest friends at the time, they were amazing Southern Baptist, wonderful men of God. But they didn't believe in the gifts of the spirit for today. Well, here we are laid in the bed. We knew that about them. We knew they were going to be taking the weekend. So guess what? We were praying the whole weekend. And it was that weekend that he taught me what intercessory prayer in a joyful way could be like. From a hospital bed, praying for something that's going on 180 miles away. Well those two boys, men, met God in the prayer room that weekend. And they saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And at the end of that weekend, they're what I call Reformed Southern Baptists, because they had met the miracles of God. So I got a broken ankle, and God did miracles in the prison. And so the celebration is, oh, wow, you know, there's lots of stuff that happened. I learned how to intercede for, on behalf of people in a good way, not in a way that I walk away and I feel like I need some, not in a bad way, but in a good way. It was amazing. And then two men that didn't believe in the gifts of God today walked away from the prison weekend believing in the gifts of God. Their exact words were, I've never seen such a powerful weekend. The one had been serving on prison weekends for 10 years. So it's a big deal. So why is it important that we celebrate our testimonies? We've got to celebrate our testimonies because stuff's going to happen. It's going to happen. I promise you that. Jesus promised you that. So it's easier for me to promise. So today, I hope to spur you on to be more intentional in remembering what God has already done and to look at situation through different lenses today that you could actually, instead of being so stuck on the situation of what's going on in front of you, you can remember what he's already done so that you can like, oh God, what's possible today? Wait a minute. You're the same God yesterday, today, and will be, so therefore what you've already done should encourage me so that I can actually, oh, okay, cool. This situation, yeah, no big deal. Yes, it's everything horrific that it could be. Yes, truth. But you're the same God. You did that, so... I can look forward to what you're about to do now. And it helps you to elevate your eyes a little bit instead of feeling uh, oppressed, depressed, anxious, and all the other things that we as Christians shouldn't be dealing with because we have Jesus in us. Guess what happens when you start to do that? You start to live more joyfully with less stress. Joyfully and less stress. I haven't been emotionally exhausted for 11 days. I, I had been that for a long time. So, yay. And to have greater faith in God and His incredible love for you. He's the God of the possibles. Yes. Psalm 105, 1-5, from the Passion Translation. Go ahead and give God thanks for all He has done. Go ahead and worship Him. Tell everyone about His wonders let's sing his praises sing and put all all of his miracles to music what what kind of song would that be if we just like i don't know somebody laid down a track and we just all started singing all the miracles he's done in our lives and they're all miracles i don't care if it's simply you're about to step off a a sidewalk and twist your ankle or he literally you watched the a a car coming at you and somehow cars over here, you didn't get hit. I don't care what the, what, what it looks like. It's all a miracle because God did it. So the first thing I want, I want to redo your definition of miracle. If God did it, it's a miracle. You couldn't do it. He did it. It's a miracle. So celebrate them all like they're miracles. So what would that look like? Shine and make your joyful boast in him. You lovers of God, Let's be happy and keep rejoicing no matter what. Seek more of his strength, seek more of him. Let's always be seeking the light of his face and don't you ever forget his miracles and marvels. Our God's an awesome God. Come on, say it with me. Amen, God. Our God is an awesome God. Yeah. Do you believe it? Yes. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Do you? Then why do we so quickly forget when it gets difficult, when our integrity gets questioned, when we get accused falsely, when the unexpected trauma happens, when we have to wait what seems like an eternity for our opportunity towards our destiny to happen etc, etc, etc Why do we so quickly forget all the testimonies of God's faithfulness? We believe He's an awesome God but why do we If that's the case, why do we so quickly forget what he's already done? Because if we believe he's an awesome God, and I'm on my way to the most important meeting of my life, and all of a sudden two tires blow. Two tires because you only got one spare, which means you clearly aren't going to make your appointment. And yet, we get to thinking, oh crap. Really? Instead of, oh wait a minute, God's taken care of me my whole life. I don't know what's about to happen, why that happened, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but it's all going to work out. Because it always does. If you live with that mentality, it always works out. I didn't say the way you think, but it always works out. Always works out. Turn to Psalm 106, 7, and 8. Anybody that has your Bible. And if you don't, I'm pretty sure you have one of these. So that'll work. When people are going on an electronic device, it's hard to hear the pages turning to find out if they're at their their place yet. Just saying. By the way, I would suggest reading all of Psalm 106. Um, It's it's just amazing. But the part I want to read right now is just verses 7 and 8. Our fathers in Egypt did not grasp the significance of your wondrous works. Whose wondrous works? God's or remember your wondrous acts of faithful love. Again, whose wonderful acts? God's, right? Instead, they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Now catch this next part. This is really important. They couldn't grasp the significance of his wondrous works or remember the acts of his faithful love. And they rebelled by the Red Sea, yet... He saved them for his namesake to make his power known. Couldn't see the power of what he was doing in their life, forgot what they did see, rebelled, and yet he saved them.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's us, guys. Remember the cross that's us because on any given moment in any given day. So if I'm on the way to my most important, what I define as my most important meeting of appointment of my entire life and all of a sudden two tires blow out and I get bent out of shape, guess what I just did. I forgot all of his acts of loving kindness and all that he's already done in my life, which means cause he tells us to remember I just entered into disobedience. Ouch. Because when we can encourage ourselves in him, we can stay faithful to him. And we don't forget the righteousness that he gave to us. We don't forget the love, joy, peace, all of it that he's already given to us. We don't forget that all that really matters has already been taken care of. Meeting, my, in my opinion, my most important meeting in my life? No, nah, the most important appointment that I ever had in my life was when I actually met Jesus. So the flaw first was in my thinking of, about that, that meeting. Because whatever we do on this planet, if it doesn't tell people about the good news of Jesus, it's all going to go away. All of it. The houses, the cars, the jobs, the awards, the significance, your name and lights, if, you, if that happens to be you, your title on a book, whatever it is, it all goes away. The only thing that doesn't is sharing the good news of Jesus. What better way to do it? And if you're stuck and you want to witness to somebody and you aren't like Ryan, that can automatically, he could probably lead a chair to Christ. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, it's true. And I'm not, I'm I'm so not making fun or belittling what Ryan does. I mean, it's just him. He can probably lead that chair to Christ. Where for some of us, it scares the bejibbers out of us to lead somebody to Christ. So just share what he's done in your life. And if you rehearsed it, You can't help but share it with a smile on your face and joy coming out of your heart, and that person's going to feel that. And then that will open the door for you to speak to that person, because that person's going to have questions for you. Don't do it Ryan's way. We don't need a whole bunch of saved chairs in heaven. Why do we spend so much more time looking at our circumstances instead of the miracles that God has already done in our lives and what he might just do now? Romans 1, 21. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless heart was darkened. Romans 1, 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. The truth of God is what he's done in your life. The lie is what you all of a sudden believe about what's going on in your life that if you actually could stop and think what God's already done in your life and who He says you are and who He is to you, then whatever's going on in front of you that you're starting to believe, you wouldn't actually entertain it. You can't. You can't entertain the opposite of God if you believe and rehearse the goodness of God. They collide with each other. Try it. Seriously, try to rehearse the goodness of God and be depressed and be anxious and be whatever. You can't. You can't. It's just not possible. Romans 1.25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. Guys, be careful, because it's not a long journey from forgetting what God's done to self-effort, to idolatry, to depravity. It's not a long journey. Let me say that again. It's not a long journey from forgetting what God's done to self-effort, to idolatry, to depravity. It's not a long journey. If you don't believe that, read this. There's story after story after story about the exact same thing happening. Turn with me to Exodus. We're gonna start in Exodus 12. We're gonna to go to Exodus 12. Guys alive out there, are you okay?
2: Yes.
0: Good. You all there yet? All right, perfect. Starting in verse 37, we're going to look a little bit at the story of being led from captivity into freedom from Exodus, because that's what this is a story about. Verse 37, the Israelites traveled from, and I apologize ahead of time, some of these places, I looked them up uh, in the the original language, I played it so that I could hear it, I rehearsed it, I'm going to butcher them. Just just know that. Um, the Israelites traveled from Ramses to Succoth. About 600,000 able-bodied men on foot besides their families. A mixed crowd also went up with them, along with a huge number of livestock, both flocks and herds. So picture this. They were just told they're going to be released from their past, their tormentors, their trauma, their... Because that's what... They were. They were trapped, right? The Romans. What does that represent? Rome represent. It represents that place where you're trapped, where you're held in bondage. That's what it represents. It represents every foul thing that's ever happened to you in life, right? God goes to the people and He says, hey, we're about to set you free. And He's taking 600, 000, wait, 600,000 able-bodied men. That tells me, on foot, that tells me that there were non-able-bodied men and their family, And it says, and their families. So let's assume for the sake of argument that they each had one wife. Back then, who knows? But let's assume for the sake of argument they had one wife and they all had two kids. Today's modern nuclear family. If that's the case, there were 2.4 million people that escaped from Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. 2.4 million Put it in perspective a little bit. Lexington is roughly 300,000 people. It's eight times the size of Lexington. That's a lot of people. And their livestock. So all their chickens, their cattle, their their goats, their hamsters, their birds, whatever they had, it all went with them. Plus, remember, they went door to door and they all got lots of uh, riches from the Romans. Remember? So, they had a lot of stuff they were taken on foot across the Red Sea. That's a lot of people and a lot of stuff, right? Jump to Exodus 13. Exodus 13 talks about what God tells them they've got to do, how they've got to be obedient to get their freedom and to maintain their freedom for the next generations. The principle here not the stuff they were asked to do because back here they were talked about sacrifices they have to make. Obviously we don't have to do that. But it's the principle of remembering what God's done for us, to remember and to celebrate what he's done for us. So we're going to read verse 3 in Exodus 13. Then Moses said to the people, "Remember this day when you come out of Egypt, you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand." Man, I just caught this. Moses said to the people, remember this day when you came out of Egypt. They hadn't yet escaped. But Moses spoke prophetically, telling them, "You remember this day when you came out of Egypt. Why do you think he might have said that? So that when it got tough, and because we know what's going to happen, all of Rome's power is coming after them. Egypt. Egypt, excuse me, Egypt, sorry, I've been saying Rome the whole time, it's Egypt, thank you. I did that yesterday, too. Thank you for correcting me. Everybody else, you need to wake up. (laughs) It's okay to correct the guy that's up here, and it's okay to actually participate. So thank you so much. Egypt. Anytime I said it on there wrong, just know that it was Egypt. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day when you came out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, for the Lord brought you out of here by the strength of his hand. He's telling him he's going to bring you out. You're going to make it. Jumped on to verse eight on that day, explain to your son on what day that in the future, he's talking about the future on that day, explain to your son, this is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt, let it serve as a sign for you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead so that the Lord's instruction may be in your mouth for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a strong hand. We've got to remember he's telling them you've got to remember. Verse 14, in the future, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, by the strength of his hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. What's he saying there? Out of the place of slavery, the stuff we were were stuck in bondage to, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go. Who's Pharaoh? He's our enemy. He represents our enemy. The one that's holding us captive. Okay? When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, listen to this, the Lord killed every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of humans and the firstborn of livestock. What's he telling us? He said, remember to tell your son in the future and the next generations what God did, how he set you free from the bondage from your enemy, and remember that. And oh, by the way, don't forget to tell them that God took care of the enemy. They don't. God does. He takes care of the Romans too, but today it's the Egyptians. (laughs) (laughs) Jump to verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them. Listen to this. This is so powerful. God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines. Even though it was nearby, there was a shorter route. God didn't take the shorter route on purpose. For God said the people will change their minds and return to Egypt if they face war. What's he saying? He didn't take them the short way way to get them out of the where they're held in bondage, into their freedom, into their promised land, because he knew if they if they encountered war, what is war? It's the hard times, it's when it gets tough. He knew that if they encountered war, the hard times, they would turn around and go back to Egypt. It's not any different than what we do today. God, please free me from this stuff. Just the cry that I did before I got baptized. I want to be free of the old man that's still hanging around in my mind and my heart. And he freed me. And then he said, I said, how do I stay free? He said, don't reach back for what I just took from you. That's what he told me. Israelites. As soon as I, he didn't take him the short route, because if he makes it super, super easy on us, we're not even going to appreciate what, what he did. So he takes a little bit longer, which frustrates the heck out of us, by the way, because we live in a fast, a fast food world and everything's at a fingertip access to us. You don't have to know anything anymore except how to push a button and Google, tell me this. Seriously. So, I promise you today, if he did it fast, we'd go right back to Egypt. Because why? Because this became difficult. We know this. And all of a sudden, you know what we do? Just like they did. They changed the narrative. That's what we do. We change the narrative of what freaking took place. All of a sudden, they're saying if you jump ahead. Um Verse 11, they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you, take, that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. They changed the entire narrative. Their entire memory they changed to be a lie. Now they believe a lie, and that's what they're taking as they go. How many times have we done the very same thing? We got hell going on back here. God opens the door for us to go, to be free of whatever it is. We walk towards that door, we get towards that door, and all of a sudden it feels like the door slams on our face and we're like, oh crap, here I am, back to the pornography, the drugs, the overeating, the depression, the anxiety, the medication, whatever it is that we've chosen. Why? Why? Because we quit rehearsing what God's done in our life. We forgot the goodness of God. They clearly forgot the goodness of God here. I mean, my goodness. Verse 21, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud. Because here's the crazy thing. They turn around and they look and all of a sudden, because it says the Egyptians cut up to them. Well, if the Egyptians cut up to them, that means all 2.4 million people saw the enemy. And the ones that were leading were the 600 best men on the best chariots. They were walking. And their enemy caught up to them. How many times has it felt to you that the enemy is caught up to you? Why do we give in to the enemy instead of press into what, who God is? Seriously. Why do we give a rip at what's going on in the world compared to what God can do? I didn't just say put your head in the sand and pretend like nothing's going wrong in the world. I did not say that. That's stupid. But so is forgetting how powerful God is and what He's already done in your life. That's actually dumber. Okay, take everything that's going on in the world and all the jacked upness that's going on in your families, your bank account, whatever you're dealing with, and measure that against the goodness of God. I dare you, seriously. If you do, if you take my challenge, you will not be depressed, you will be encouraged. He's a good, good father. (laughs) The Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to lead them on their way during the day and in a pillar of fire to give them light at night so that they could travel day or night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night never left its place in front of the people. It's not leaving its place in front of you today. We just get so stuck on what's going on and what's right in front of us that's not lining up with who he says, who he is and what we've seen of him that we can't see it anymore. that's on us. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and camp in front of Pi. There's more to it. Between Migdal, which means tower, and the sea. You must camp in front of Baal Zephon, facing it by the sea. (laughs) Okay. Remember, he didn't take them the easy way because of and he took them this way by the Red Sea because if they saw a battle, they would turn back. And all of a sudden, here they are. They're going along, and they're, okay, awesome. And all of a sudden, he says, I want you to camp here. And what's this way is the entire Egyptian army. And what's at their back is the Red Sea. Let me describe the scene of what the Red Sea looks like for you. I couldn't find a picture that did it adequate justice. At its narrowest, it was 19 miles across. Average depth, three feet. 2.4 million people. That suggests when you do the math, and I did it, it was really fun to do, it was really cool and super encouraging, that when he brought that east wind, which is wild, because it says the water stacked up like a wall on both sides of him, yet the wind only came from one direction, explain that. And they've tried to explain it away. They really have. The scientists and theologians that both say, well, this is a, this didn't really happen. This has been exaggerated. Yeah, they're full of hot, hot air. It's either true or it's not. It's either all true or it's not. God's either perfect or He's not. He is. So this east wind came, right? 2.4 million people and all their animals, right? And He's going to part the Red Sea so that it stacks up on both sides of them. It's roughly a trillion gallons of water. I don't even know what that looks like. One gallon of water is, what, eight pounds? So what is that, eight trillion pounds of liquid built like a wall on either side of them? And it says it stayed like that all night. I've been, have you ever been to a sporting, a baseball game, football game, whatever, and it was sold out and tried to leave the parking lot when there's 50 to 70,000 people in front of you? And it takes hours. How did they get 2.4 million people across a sea that was a minimum of 19 miles across in a night without the enemy catching them? No clue. Miracle, clearly a miracle, right? But he did it. Moses had to hold his stick up for it to happen. So God was going to do it. We walk around thinking God doesn't need us. Yes, he does. He told Moses he had to do this. It required obedience. See, it requires obedience on our part to receive our freedom. And then let's get to the other side of the Red Sea now. Red Sea here, obviously not because it's really big, but you, you get my point. And he tells Moses he has to stretch his stick out over the water again for it to come down on the Egyptian soldiers and Pharaoh. It requires obedience to get the path to your freedom, to get your freedom. And then it requires obedience to stay in your place of freedom. I totally lost where I was in the in the word. That's okay. I've read the story so many times in the last two weeks, I know the story. God will always set us free if we choose to look towards Him from whatever it is. But we've got to rehearse our testimonies. If it's just you, then get in front of the mirror and do it. Seriously, encourage yourself in the Lord. If you have... A, kids, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a coworker, or whatever, rehearse with them because then you're going to hear theirs. And when you do that, you feel invincible. Well, you kind of are because of God. And he'll take you to the place, and it's not going to be short and easy. He has done miracles in our life that was like this fast based on what I can see, but I have no clue what he did to get me to that point where it was this fast. I have no clue. It doesn't matter. He set me free from whatever it is. Well, he'll do it for all of you. So why are we stuck? We're stuck. And why can't we hear the voice of God? And why can't we see his hand? It's because we haven't rehearsed what he's already done in our lives. I'm happy to sit with any of you that think God's not moved in your life. Happy to sit with any of you and talk with you. I promise you, by the end of our conversation, you will have remembered remember what God's done in your life. I have a particular blessing right now to talk with somebody that literally just gave their life to Jesus. And we talked last week, and this person said to me, you know what? Pastor Jeffrey, I need some help. I asked Jesus into my heart. So what? Nothing's different. I'm like, love it. Awesome question. So I started to talk with this person and rehearsed their last month with them. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, I didn't see it. They were far too close. There were six things that they were able to come up with in about 90 seconds that was different because they gave their life to Jesus than before Jesus. I promise you, I can talk with anybody here that thinks Jesus hasn't moved in your life and it won't take very long and you will find out where he's moved. Here's the thing, here's the problem, and it was true for the Israelites, and it's true for everybody else. Three days later, after God just did that amazing miracle to set them free, 72 hours later, these same children of God were doubting, complaining, questioning God, and disobeying Him. 72 hours later, He gives us these stories that we might learn. I'm one of them. I can't tell you how many times he's moved in my life, and all of a sudden, I forget. And the one person that has the biggest favor in my life, my wife, love her. In the moment when she reminds me, still love her, just not necessarily receiving what she has to say. And, but then I get over myself and chill out a minute, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, crap. And then I can go back and ask for forgiveness because she was completely right. But that's what we're supposed to do for each other. Whether it's husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, sister, brother, coworker, friend, whatever it is. We help each other. We spur each other on in the faith. Turn with me to Daniel 4. Verse 2. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the most high God has done for me. How great are his miracles and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Psalm 66, 16. I've been on the other side when the person speaking starts to tell you to go from scripture to scripture and it's really hard to keep up. Know what it feels like. I'm sorry. Psalm 66, 16. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for me. Why? Because it encourages whoever is in front of you. And it encourages yourself. And then you can stay steadfast. Psalm 105. 1 and 2. <clears throat> Did you turn yet? Give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Proclaim His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell about His wondrous, all His wondrous works. And honor His holy name. And in the Amplified, I'm going to read um, Revelation 12, verse 11. And they have overcome, conquered Him, Him who? Satan, by the means of the blood of the Lamb, And by the utterance of his testimony, of their testimony, for they did not love and cling to life, even when faced with death, holding their lives cheap till they had to die for their witnessing. Therefore, be glad, exalt, O heavens, and you that dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in fierce anger, fury, because, listen to this, because he, the devil, knows that he has only a short time left. If Satan knows that he only has a short time left, why do we ever get concerned about what Satan's doing? I know spiritual warfare is a real thing. I'm not saying it's not. He's a real enemy. But he knows that he only has a short time left. Why are we spending so much time focusing on what he's doing, the situation in front of us, instead of focusing on what God's already done and capable of doing? Just saying. Uh, Guys, how do I come on up? If you were one of the uh, people and how do I know which one's four? Well, that's not doesn't matter what order you get in. Can you put some instrumental something on the background if anybody's back there to do that? Good, because I haven't found it yet. Awesome. Thanks, Lisa. Is it live? Yes. There's two more people that were gonna come up. Go ahead. So what I you know what what I've done is I've asked these guys ahead of time if they could just share. A short testimony of something God's done in their life to help them uh, be able to uh, press forward in Him. It's kind of like they're one of their anchors.
3: What God reminded me of was His faithfulness in relationships in my life. What I remember is when I am vulnerable and honest about what's going in my heart, God provides people to encourage me, to remind me of God's goodness and His faithfulness, His mercy, and the things He's done in my life. So I'm thankful for the relationships that God has built and the fact that He has always provided someone to remind me of His goodness when I couldn't remember it
0: myself. Come on, guys, celebrate that. That's awesome, Jesus. Thank you. I
3: have a couple of things. Um, first This of all, is Jan Clark,
0: if you don't know her. <laughs> that was Laura Harmon. <clears throat>
3: Um, I'm bringing this up because I think uh, someone here needs to hear it. It's not part of the, what Jeff had asked me to do. But um, um, I just had a time period in my life that I was going through uh, serious depression, and I think there was one time that I couldn't, I just felt like I couldn't get out of bed. But um, thank God, He prompted me to just speak in tongues. And so if that was all I could do, that's what I did. And, um, within a few short minutes, I was out of it So, because you can't stay in that place. I know Jeff mentioned depression several times during this message. So I think that, uh is some, for someone specific. Um, you can't stay in that place when Holy Spirit's interceding. But, um, there's been times where I've been feeling, um, had been feeling a need for just a, a hug, uh, you know, or a, a touch from God. And, um, I was walking the track at the gym, and he appeared before me and and as this big, tall, like 10 feet, 10 foot uh, high person, and um, I saw in the spirit that he was hugging me. Um, hmm. I've had dreams, or a d- specific dream, where he and I were walking through a stream and, um, you know, just having a just a nice relationship and a nice time and, and just his com- comforting presence. I've had a time where... Um, I was writing an email, and out of in my room, and out of the blue, he appeared to me in in my room. He was took up the space of about a three-foot person, but he was full size. I don't know how that happens, <laughs> but um, he was there, and he was smiling, and that just meant the world to me. Um, a couple years ago, I had a really bad medical diagnosis, and um, in most eyes, it would be a death sentence. And um, it was pretty devastating for a couple weeks, but during that very first week, a few days after I got the diagnosis, we came here to um, a Destiny Friday night service. We were going to Jeremiah's church at the time, Jeremiah Johnson in uh, Georgetown. And during that period, um, during the service, someone stood up and said, asked who had the diagnosis this week. And they had a word of the Lord for me. And um, I was the only one that stood up. And they said, God says, I have the last word. Yeah. (laughs) There's been, through that time period, as Laura said, Laura was one of the people who just was prompted to call me and pray with me. um, When I was feeling down, she probably don't know how much that meant to me because I took notes (laughs) from the words that she was encouraging me with. Um... Also during that time period, um, I was listening to K-Love on the way to work, and um, I saw these huge this huge bird flying in front of me, <coughs> and this little teeny bird um, chasing it. And at that very moment in time on K-Love, and you know how God speaks through music sometimes, um, he the um, chorus of the song came on, and it said, "You shall face your enemies with courage," and so. There's been many, many other times. um, Blessings at work when um, I've signed up for classes that were only for managers when I wasn't a manager. I got favor with, um, I was actually so favored in that situation that I was able to get coaching when there was a waiting list and and he just invited me to come and um, get coaching which has been a tremendous blessing because um, little did I know I was going, getting ready to go through a time period when my boss was going to be in Mexico for the whole, the year and I was going to be the go-to person. And yeah. so um, he provided the, the, the things I needed to get through that time period at work. There's just been so many times, uh, I could probably um, <laughs> go on and on, but um, the end result is I have trust and confidence in Jesus because of the relationship that He's shown me. He is faithful through m- these many, many things. And I looked for the little things. And, you know, to me they weren't little, but they were huge at, at those moments in time. Then remember those. So.
0: Come on! Give it up for God! Woo! That's awesome! This is Lisa Manning if you don't know who she is.
4: Hey there. So I've been Jeffrey texted me yesterday. I was driving back from Ohio, and so I had a couple hours to kind of think about this, and I told him this morning kind of what he said, like, I don't really know for sure what I am supposed to say. And I just kind of thought about multiple things over my life, and God sort of brought it together today. Um, I could tell you about the fact that I was born to a 17-year-old mom who has been addicted to drugs and alcohol just about the majority of my life, including today. And I can tell you about the fact that no one in that family, my mom has 11 brothers and sisters, and at the time no one had really ever been to church. Um, but one of my uncles got pulled into church, became a Pentecostal preacher for a little while, and prayed for me. And I can tell you that that prayer and the prayers that, they, that my aunt and uncle prayed for me over that time changed the trajectory, tra- trajectory of my life and my whole family for those two praying for me. Yeah, and praying Jesus. that God would bring me out of that situation. And later, when my brother was born, um, he had four brain abscesses that the doctor said no one had ever lived from. He lived. And they said, if he lives, he'll be institutionalized, he'll have such severe brain damage that you will, he won't will even be able to speak. Fast forward a little bit, I moved to South Carolina and got back into, I got into church. My mom put us in a Christian school at that point. (laughs) And so I'd gotten saved, gotten to church, and my brother was going down some crazy path. And I said, if you'll come here, I'll pray for you or I'll send you to Promise Keepers and I'll pay for it. I'll pay for your housing. I'll pay all that. He's now a pastor. (laughs) And so, and then (coughs) my daughter is Seriously considering, she's not sure yet, but she's seriously considering doing worship. So this has now trickled down to generations. And she is a worship leader for her youth group. So it's been phenomenal to see the, the changes that God put through these two people who prayed for me because I had a mom that wasn't in church. So that has been amazing. I could tell you about all that. I could tell you about the fact that three years ago, I was in a car crash and broke my neck. Got out of the car, I had the same fracture that Christopher Reeves had. Y'all know what happened to him? Yeah. He was on a a ventilator for the rest of his life, couldn't walk. I got out of the car at the scene of the crash and walked around. My neck was kind of hurting, my head was hurting, I couldn't hold it up. But, but God, I guess, but God. And I guess one of the things he said today that is the, the, the thing that's kept me going through all the crazy life circumstances, no matter what they've been, is perspective. We can sit, and I could have thought for the whole three months I was in that crazy halo, I could have thought, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. I broke my neck, I'm in this halo, everybody has to wait on me, I can't drive. You know, the first three weeks were a haze while I was just trying to carry this 12-pound thing on my head, and it was a mess, but you know what? I was able to put it all in perspective and say, I got to live. I, when I was walking around that crash, I didn't paralyze myself. (laughs) I could have very easily one wrong split move and it would have severed my spinal cord and that would have been the end. Didn't, I got to be here to be my, my kid's mom still. And look at all the things. So I think in the middle of whatever circumstance you are, as you're looking back, I also think so much of what we go through is about perspective. And maybe you can't see the perspective at that moment. (laughs) Sit down with somebody else and say, you know what, Tina, I I don't see what's going on here. Can you tell me all the positive, the good? Because right now, I can't even see the good. And somebody else can give you a different perspective on your situation. So look back and bring all those things into perspective. And I think that is what I would have to say about remembering pull those remembrances in all the things that God has done and the lessons that you learned and figure out what you can learn in the middle of the hard stuff, change your perspective. And I think you got it.
0: Come on, God. Come on guys. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. And for anybody that doesn't know, this is my amazing bride, Tina. (laughs) Um,
5: I, I just can't get away from the hello. Um, God, I was 34 years old when I came to the Lord. So I have a lot of years of remembrance of what it was like. You know the scripture, I was in darkness, you were in darkness and I brought you into the light. Well if you could think of many things that could possibly occur and that was that was my growing up. And uh, so when he had me at hello and he said that he wanted me to follow him, and it was going to be different than it ever was. It was going to be better than it ever was. I couldn't imagine better from where I was at. There was no hope where I was at. So this this is my anchor that I go to like whenever anything comes up, no matter how big, how small. That's where I go, because I was in darkness. And there was great darkness going on around me and with me. And it was like um, the feeling of I can't, I could never escape that. I mean, up to 34 years old, I, I can't escape this. There's nothing else. Hopelessness. I mean, and then one morning I have this visitation and, 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 and how this visitation came about was not a pleasant event, But it was like him saying, I follow me, and it'll be better than it was. And I knew what he was saying was right. I mean, how I knew that with everything, but yet I felt that. And he gave me that. He had to have given me that, because there was no way I would have been convinced of those words with everything that was going on and what I was feeling. So I have that. That's my anchor place that I go to. And it's kind of like when I go there, there's like this roll that comes out. You know how they said about the stones? Remember the stones and what they were about? Tell your children and onward. That's where That's where I go when things occur. I go back to that anchor place and everything unfolds. And then I have all that to look down to. And it's like it's no matter what happens, no matter what takes place, if anything, it takes me right back there. And that's where I will stand and declare His goodness. And I'll say, Lord, even though right now I can't, I can't connect with that right now because of the pain I'm in because of what's taking place. But I'm choosing. I'm going to use that power of my choice because, again, you gave me such a powerful anchor. I said, Lord, I choose to declare your goodness Uh and your faithfulness No no matter how long I'm going to be where I'm at. No matter what's taking place, I'm going to declare it because you are faithful. And you have shown me your faithfulness throughout my life after you rescued me out of darkness and brought me into light. And I can't awesome. thank him enough for, for all that he's done. And what, what was t- stolen away that God, God, God has replaced. I mean, in regards to family, the way God had just brought in brothers and sisters, Amen. Then I look at each one of you and I just, I'm just so thankful. I'm just so very thankful. Amen. Because you have been my brothers and my sisters, my aunts, my uncles. You have been it all. And I'm so very thankful. So I have every day I wake up and so much to be thankful for because I know, especially on Sundays, I'm going to see my family. Thank you.
0: Praise God. Come on, guys. Yeah. Let's go. So I got
2: a little story to tell you. Uh, I wear contacts, I wear daily contacts. So you're supposed to take them out every night and throw them away, put a new set in. So if you wear daily contacts, they're not made for extended wear. So to get to this story, I was in Africa last time. I get up and I stick my contacts in and I can't see. I'm like, oh God. So I start looking, the first time in four years they had sent me the wrong prescription. And I'm thousands of miles away from home with no contacts. I'm like, God, what do I do? You know, I'm freaking out. And he says, dig. So I started digging and digging and digging. It's the same bag I always use. I found one pair in the bottom that was the uh-huh. right prescription. So I'm like, yay. But then I'm like, how am I going to keep these contacts alive for seven more days? And like, I'm, I'm fretting about it. We're in a vehicle driving six hours. and I'm just praying and I'm thinking. And I get there and I'm, I'm, we're just talking to the people that were hosting us. And we were just laughing. And she said, here. And I said, what do you mean here? And this wonderful lady, Kate. <laughs> hands me a contact case, and goes like, look, you're going to see the rest of this trip. And it reminds me that he always shows up. He's always got me. And he's always there.
0: Yeah, thank you. Let's go. Come on, guys. That's awesome. Jesus. Okay,
1: I'll finish it off. Many of you probably heard this story before because I've told so many stories about me, but this one that that uh, has been kind of an anchor in my life for years and years and years. All of us know we've got little compartments in our minds where we store our memories, store our hurts and our good times and all those kind of things, and we can go to those when we want to and pull out something and refresh it, remember. Years ago, uh... All I can say is God gave it to me. I discovered I've got a little closet in my mind. It's got four shelves on it, and uh, every time something that I can't I can't resolve when something happens in my life, and I look at that and I, that's not supposed to happen to me. That's that's not that's not supposed to be part of my life. God's supposed to preserve me from that, keep me from that, or whatever <coughs> else. And so I'll wrestle with it for a while. Before that little little closet showed up. Uh, I could get down into a a pit, you know, the the slew of despond and uh, just kind of wallow around in that, trying to make sense of God not living up to my standard for God, you know. And uh, so anyway, from the time that he showed me that little closet and uh, handed me a jar and I took that situation, stuffed in that jar, put a lid on it, stuffed it on the shelf. and And that that little closet, or, or contains all the things that I don't understand. Now, you would think closet would be overrunning, but honestly, it's never had more than six jars in it, and right now it's got maybe three or four. And because from time to time, God will lead me to open the closet, pull out a jar, and He will explain, or give me enough understanding it, so it's resolved, and I can rejoice in that thing rather than allow it to depress me or hurt me. And so that's that's my go-to place, that, mm. that little closet. And and now it used to take me a while to get to the place where I'm willing to just stop and listen rather than complain or whine or cry or you know whatever. But if I'll just listen, he'll say, you know, the closet. <laughs> I'll go there, get my little jar, stuff that thing in it, sit it on the shelf, say, okay, God. And it's, it's been such a wonderful comfort to me over the years that I don't have to try to understand everything, don't have to try to explain everything. And certainly God is not responsible to explain Himself to me ever. The fact that He does occasionally is, is a wonder of wonders that, that is to be delighted in. Yeah. But like I said, His goodness, in His goodness, He will lead me back there from time to time. Okay, it's time to take that one off the shelf, and then we'll talk about it. My heart's healed. Got room for another jar.
0: So stand with me. And yeah, come on, let's go. God, yeah, Jesus. Stand with me. Two things. If you need to be encouraged in the Lord, pretend you're sitting in the Red Sea and come up front. If, you're, if you don't need the six foot distancing, and if you do, that's awesome because uh, no judgment intended. But if you're in these seats, pretend for a minute that it's the Red Sea, and just come up front. And I just want to pray for everybody up front like you're across the Red Sea. Come on. And if somebody needs particular encouragement after I pray and send everybody... Uh, bless everybody to go, then come on up, and I'm happy to pray with you individually. So thank you for those that came forward, and for everybody that's back in the seats, that's awesome as well. So Father, I just pray, um, Lord, I literally pray for every single person that came up, and the ones that I can't reach, that they would actually be encouraging you today, Lord, that they would totally and completely be encouraging you, and that you would help all of us here to not forget what you have done. And not to not forget, not only to not forget what you have done, but to remember, to be intentional from this moment forward, to remember what you've already done, what you've done for others, your big do, dying on the cross for us, and what you've done recently. And let us be about sharing it with each of us. Let us, you know what? I even challenge you, uh, uh, you know what? I challenge you, share something on the Destiny Private Facebook page today of what God's done in your life. Anything, don't make, don't, don't measure it. Don't determine that it's small, medium, or big. He did it for you, it's big. It's really that simple because he's God and we're not and we need him. So Father, that we would be encouraged to share what you've done, the testimonies of what you've done in all of our lives. We'd be willing to share it, not just with our family, church family, on the private Facebook page, but Lord God, that we would share Everywhere we go, we go to lunch today, we go to the supermarket today, we go to the gas station today, we go home. If we just go home, Lord, and we call somebody up or share with whoever we're living with, Lord, that we would do that and we would remember, Lord, all the time what you have done so that we could be encouraged. Always be encouraged to spur each other and ourselves on in the faith. Let this be a demarcation, just like when the children of Israel got to the other side of the Red Sea. Moses raised his arm, and the sea that was stacked up on both sides came crashing down on the enemy. Let that be the demarcation today, that we live on the other side of the Red Sea, and we extend our our rod, and we watch as you decimate the enemy in our lives. And we live victoriously from this point forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for uh, uh, your time. Thank you for listening to the testimonies and celebrating with me and what God has done. And have a blessed week in the Lord. And remember what Jesus has done. And tell somebody.